just want to welcome you here and uh, welcome you online. It's so good to have you with us. You know, I just wanted to add what Larry shared about me joining the board of Clearwater. I'm, I'm really excited, and Gene, I should say, Gene and I are excited uh, for the ways that this is going to invite Salt and Light, our family of churches, uh, to be part of that college. Clearwater College used to be called Living Faith Bible College, uh, part of, uh, well, not, not, I'm not sure if it's affiliated officially, but very much involved with FCA. Uh, they're also involved now with LifeLinks, uh, which is another church network in this area. And so we're really excited for what God is going to do and how he's going to bring students uh, from our churches to that college. And so you'll hear from more about that in the coming months and probably years from me. But um, we're very excited for how the Lord is moving through that. And uh, I had our first board meeting this week and really enjoyed connecting with the board and the guys there. So excited for what God's doing. God's doing really really good things right now uh, through that college since Gene and Marla have moved there. So uh, Apple recently, they, they released their latest tech gadget. Um, some of you may have heard of it. It's a new wireless speaker called the Home Mini. And uh, I happened to catch part of their launch presentation for it uh, a couple months back. And uh, when I was watching, I was like, wow, this little speaker uh, is impressive. And, and <laughs> this is not an infomercial. Uh, I am not a sales guy for this. I'm not even telling you you should buy it. Uh, in fact, I want to encourage us to buy local in these days. But, but this little speaker, like it does some really cool stuff. The way that it integrates with, with Apple devices, and the way it even integrates with the Apple CarPlay, if you have that. I don't, but maybe you do in your vehicle. The technology, I was like, man, this technology is like really advanced. And, and so I, I found myself really intrigued as, by it as they were talking about it. And, and I felt my brain even being sucked into, like, consumerism. Like, I need to have one of these. And, and then I realized, as I was listening, that as crazy cool as this, this speaker is and the connectivity that it offers, what it also would do in my life is increase noise and distraction. Actually, it would tie me more to my phone and to my devices than I want to be tied. Like... Even the way that it works is, you know, if you're bored and you're sitting in your room and you're bored, just speak to it. Even speak a line of a song you're thinking of, and it'll play it for you. And so, you know, when we talk about noise and all of that in our lives, maybe it's not the best thing to be more connected. This is part two of, of um, sort of last week's message, if you will, where we talked about embracing silence and solitude and and there's certain aspects that I talked about last week that um, I'm, uh, I'm, no, I'm not going to talk about this morning. And so I'd very much encourage you to listen to that if you haven't listened to it, because it very much sets the stage for this morning. But um, we, we were talking about how silence and solitude is a key practice for our devotional lives and a gift from the Father to us. And I really believe that. I believe it is a gift for our lives. And it's necessity to highlight it in times like these. There's, there's lots of opportunity to get worked up in these days. And Larry talked about just the multitude of opinions that can get us worked up. Lots of reasons I'm sure you feel. I know I feel like just where I can my, get myself out of sorts, if you will. And, and silence and solitude centered on Jesus and his word. It grounds us. It stabilizes us and aligns us to the way of Jesus. And so this morning, I want to conclude this focus on silence and solitude and on formation, because this sort of brings us to the end of this focus where we've been in for a number of months on formation. 
by talking about how silence and solitude formed us. In, in Luke 4, we have the same account that we looked at last week from Mark 1, where Jesus is in Capernaum, and there's this account of this day of busy ministry for him, where he's just going from thing to thing to thing. And Luke's gospel gives us some incredible additional insight into the impact of silence and solitude in the life of Jesus and for him. Insight that reveals how silence and solitude uh, sought to form Jesus and did, and how it speaks to formation for the way of Jesus for our lives. So I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to open to Luke 4. Uh, and it'll be on the screen behind me as well, or uh, if you're online, it'll be on the screen, I should say. But Luke 4, verses 42 to 44, I want to read these few verses here. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Verse 42 there, it speaks of Jesus going into the desolate place again. And that's, again in Greek, the Eremos. And then as he comes out of that place, there's people coming to him. As, as he emerges from this time with the Father. And I, and I want to make a correlation for us this morning, if, if I can. We have been moved into isolation in this current situation that we're in. Uh, some more than others, certainly. But there's a variety of responses, responses that's, that's going on right now, what we're experiencing. But I, I want to suggest that we can approach this time right now that we've been moved into as the Eremos, so that we're intentional in these times that we're in, that we will emerge from them, and we will, we will emerge from this, and as we emerge, we will have been formed into the way of Jesus, more into the way of Jesus than we were previously. And so I want to draw out four things that we see formed in Jesus out of this time here that he was in. And again, this, we're, we're focusing on these few verses, but this wasn't a one-time deal for Jesus. We see in the Gospels, this was a consistent practice for Jesus, and it must be for us. And I know that our culture struggles with imperatives, but Jesus doesn't. And so four things that are formed in us as well, I want to talk about as a result of embracing silence and solitude in our lives. Because Jesus is the template we are to be apprentices of Jesus. Jesus is our master, and we want to come under and learn his way. So the first thing that we see formed here in Jesus and for us is clarity of purpose. You know, the, the people, they come to Jesus, and they want to keep him from leaving him. Mark, Mark, in Mark, it says they, they come to him, they say, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. And it makes sense, right? Like, Jesus had created quite the buzz with his healing ministry. Like the demons, even, that he cast out of people there. And it says in Mark, in Mark, they wanted, they were trying to speak to his divinity. Like they knew who he was. And he was like, Jesus was shutting them down, actually. So we see, like, there was opportunity for this ministry to go viral. In fact, Capernaum is interesting because that 
town was located right on the main north-south trade corridor at the trade route at the time. And so there was ample opportunity for Jesus just to camp out in Capernaum. And as he began this ministry, he would have gained lots of notoriety fast. People would have been coming and going. And they would have been like, this guy, Jesus, you should see what he's doing. Modern marketing consultants would have been like, Jesus, this is how you grow your brand. Like, just camp out in Capernaum and let's take this thing big. But Jesus, he had other ideas. He says, I, I'm not called just to this place. I must preach the kingdom of God to all the other towns. Like, this is why I was sent. This is my purpose. Jesus had clarity. He knew who he was. He knew why he was sent. He knew what his calling and his purpose was. So where, where did this clarity, where did this purpose come from? It came from his father. John 5, 19 Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. In John 8, 28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. Nothing, but speak just what the father has taught me. You know, recently I watched a clip uh, from the Q Ideas conference that just went on. Uh, it happened in Nashville just this past week, uh, or maybe it was two weeks ago, but anyways, there was, uh, they were talking in this clip about there was a recent study done by one of the big, uh, either it was Barna or Thomas Nelson, but they did a study that found that 70% of pastors admitted right now that they are looking to get out of the ministry. They are looking for other work. 70%. They said they're just and I, I'm, not, I'm not placing myself in that 70%. But what the pastors shared resonated with me. Because this season is extremely hard for pastors. One of the things that one of the pastors said, he said, I feel like most of my people have ghosted me. They see me, but I have no idea where they are. It's lonely. It's lonely for many of us. People are lonely. And I, and I know, I know that without the quiet place, without... If, if I disregard or I abandon the Eremos in these days myself, I will be that 70%. I know that. And there might be some of you who can identify. You find yourself discouraged and struggling to find clarity of purpose. And I would say for all of us, we must retreat to the quiet place. Second thing we see formed in Jesus here and in us. That is the ability to say no to good things. In stating his clarity of purpose, Jesus is saying no to what others around him would have seen as a very good thing. Right? Mark, in Mark it says, everyone is looking for you. Like, what a way to launch your ministry, Jesus. Look at what's happening here. The people, they sought to keep him from leaving. Like, they were like, hey, let's establish some foundations for this ministry. Let's see where this goes. Jesus, this could be awesome. Just... Just stay. And I, I want to ask us, think about this. Would it have been good? Would Jesus have touched people? Would lives have been changed? I think the answer to that is yes, yes, and yes. But this was not about for Jesus what hearing what other people thought. As good as their intentions might have been. It, well, this was about listening to what the Father had told him. So, 
as I mentioned, we had this board meeting this past week at Clearwater College, and uh, there happens to be on the board a manager of a company that I used to deal with a lot when I was in the business world. We actually had quite the relationship years ago. He just happens to be a cousin of Gene's, and so he's, he's been on the board, and so as part of this board meeting, I gave a short bio and introduced myself, and, and he mentioned, or I mentioned, that I knew him from, from our past business relationship, and, and he made this comment that he just said, and we still miss you to this day. And it was, I, I was encouraged by that, but then it brought to mind when I had left the business world for ministry, right away I was reminded a comment from one of my other um, sales managers, colleagues in the company that said, you know, Paul, the company had big plans for you. And when I'm facing uncertainty, when I'm facing hard challenges, which ministry brings, I have to remind myself that God called me and I had to say no to good things. And to be honest, this can be extremely hard at times for us. Jesus knew he was entering into situations, that he would enter into situations that would be extremely difficult. Jesus knew that. But he, he knew that his calling, his purpose, came as a result of what the Father had told him. Yeah, the good things of Capernaum, maybe right then and there, would have been easier. They looked really great. Maybe more fulfilling in the moment. But the Eremos had solidified for him what the Father's calling third thing that we see forming in Jesus, and that is immersion with God's presence. Now, this might not be immediately clear in these verses, but it is when we kind of look at this throughout Luke's gospel, and it says in Luke 4.1 that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. So there was this constant awareness in Jesus' life of the Father's presence, saturation in and of God's presence. And I, and I don't know but about you, but maybe many times I think I, I don't experience this. I, I, I don't, I'm not experiencing that the way that I read it. And we might think that, you know, well, Paul, this is Jesus that you're talking about. And, I, and I, I think that maybe, like, we can have this view of Jesus where, you know, because he was God, he just kind of floated through these situations. Like, like, he had this eternal perspective. Like, yeah, he was fully God. And so... We think, well, maybe he just kind of, it, was, it just kind of all just kind of flowed over him. But we also have to remember, he was also fully man on this earth. He experienced all the trials and struggles that come with being human. Hebrews 4 tells us that too. We see that throughout the Gospels. The reason that Jesus was able to respond in the manner that he did and experiencing, experience the saturation of God's presence was because he was intentional about what he centered his life around. You might go, yeah, but Paul, you don't know what I go through and you don't know what I'm struggling with and battling with in my life. And you're right. You haven't told me. I, I don't know. But I can tell you what I experience. Last Saturday, I was, we had just finished up our Zoom leadership conference. We had uh, had a Salt Night leadership conference online. And so I'd gotten off that and I was kind of tired a little bit. And I got on our roof to fix the Christmas lights that uh, needed to be moved. So I'm up on our roof and I'm just fixing these lights on my own. And a couple from our town walks by. And uh, out of nowhere, the lady says to me, 
just make sure if you're going to fall that you wait a few minutes for me. Now, the context is these people know who I am, but they don't know me. We, we don't have a relationship. And, and her comment was such that I was speechless. Like, I'm on my roof, and I'm like, what? I'm thinking to myself in my brain, what did you just say? But before I can think what to say, the husband says, what she means is that if you're going to fall, she doesn't want to have to be here to help. I, I, I had no idea how to respond. I, I was like, they gave no sense that they were joking. Nothing. And I could feel anger coming up inside of me. Like I wanted, I could feel myself saying, I wanted to say something. And all I said was, um, I think I'll be okay. But I wasn't okay. I got off the roof and I went inside and I said, Justin, you won't believe what I just experienced. How disrespected I felt. How dishonorable it was. And I wanted to lash out. But I didn't. Now is that fair what I had to endure? Was, was I wrong? Yes. The only thing that will prove effective for me of in, in dealing with that in myself is immersion in God's presence. It is the only thing. Spending time with the Father. Him reminding me who I am. Not what others say to me or about me. Not allowing hurtful words to have power over me. Praise the Lord. I can release that to the Lord. same applies for every one of us. When people hurt us and wrong is perpetrated against us, healing is found in God's presence. You know, I, I, I struggled whether I was going to even, I, I wasn't even planning on sharing that, and I, I had a conversation with Norm this week, and we were just sharing with one another what we're going through, and he said, you know, you need to share that with your church so that they know what you're going through. I don't know what we're all going through. I don't, unless you've told me, I don't know. And I want to I wanna be vulnerable to that. That's what I go through. We go through hurtful stuff at times. And I what I can remind myself too is that what I encounter is nothing compared to what Jesus endured. And what will sustain me and what will sustain you is the same thing that sustained him. And that is immersion in God's presence. Time in a quiet place with the Lord. You know, at times we feel disconnected from God. I know I feel that way at times, that he's really far more of an idea than a living person who we are with all the time. And this is where Jesus invites us to come and experience the same presence of the Father that I have. Come and follow my lead. The fourth thing that we see formed in Jesus, empowering kingdom work. Verse 44, it says that Jesus was, was preaching in the synagogues throughout Judea. He was proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. And, and great things were happening through Jesus. The next chapter in Luke, Luke 5.15, it says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Wow. Like good things were happening through Jesus. But the very next verse, Luke 5, 16, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
Henry Nouwen said, without solitude, it is impossible to live a spiritual life. It is times in the elements with the Father that is the catalyst to empower Jesus for his kingdom work, to walk in his calling and his purpose. And we are all called to the work of the kingdom. Every single person in Christ is called to the kingdom. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, God desires to enable us to live for the advancement of his kingdom and the making of disciples. So now if you're, if you're stressed out, if you're running on empty, if you're on edge, if you're feeling worn down, and I'm there at times, I hope, I think all of us are there. Maybe it's because we're not spending enough time with God. I think I've mentioned this before, but there was a pastor in the midst of ministry who asked Dallas Willard, he says, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? And, and Dallas Willard paused, I guess this is kind of the way he always did, he paused and wrote this down. And then he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And then, and then the pastor goes, okay, what else? He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. In fact, I think it was Dallas Willard, no, not think it was Dallas Willard who called. He said, silence and solitude are the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. And I think many of us, maybe if we're honest, we think like this is a bit of a bizarre concept. Or perhaps like this is just a bit out of touch with my life. Like, you know what? You don't know my life. This isn't time for this. I'm busy. And I, I would say, what did Jesus model for us? He modeled time in the quiet place. Silence, solitude, Sabbath, prayer. Spiritual disciplines or, or the habits, if you will, are given to us to help us learn how to meet God. There's become habits of how we engage with the Lord, to live in this constant awareness of God's presence. But there is, there is a significant aspect of silence and solitude that we need to touch on. I kind of want to spend the rest of our time on it, just briefly touching on it. If we're to invite God to work in us, to transform us, to be made like what Pete Cruzero calls look beneath the surface in the most intimate spiritual life. We need to, we need to go deeper surface. In that book, Pete Scrivero says, solitude is the practice of quieting every inner and outer voice, presence, presence. Getting in touch with the interior and asking the why questions. At the end of last Sunday, I talked about what's at stake when it comes to not embracing silence and solitude in our lives, that we, we end up living off other spirituality, that we're experiencing very little of God's presence and feeling distant from our own souls, out of touch with our emotions and our responses, maybe fixated on managing our images. That's what drives social media. Or we do something different. We spend time looking beneath the surface. And I would say it's the only thing. We must do start to feel our emotions. And, and we can pray from this. I was reminded of this in our last Alpha Sessions last week where um, one of the presenters there talked about how whatever you're feeling, you can pray from that point. You can, that's how you enter into prayer with all of us. Ask really good things. 
But usually when we do this, when we enter into this looking beneath the surface, we will face the hard emotions first. The quiet place. We come face to face with the hard place in our hearts, our attitudes, our addictions, coping feelings of inadequacy. And then the surface is what's stirring. But instead of it coming out toward others, instead of what I felt on that roof coming out and, and me being the same as those people, instead of that, no, I face it in the loving presence and in the mercy of God. The one who invites me to take my place. The one who speaks Aramaic, my identity is. We get God's perspective. We, we embrace our identity as the beloved. We see the mercy of God. And this is the gift of Sabbath. It's the hope we have the awareness of what you're feeling, going and having self-awareness before the Father. Again, space to ask the why questions. Time to assess and evaluate ourselves and how we're living. And what I mean by the why questions, stuff like, why, why am I down in my life? Why am I angry? Why am I avoiding sin or sin? Why do I care so much about what people think about me? Why am I so obsessed with comparison? Why do I feel the compulsion to open social media so much? Or whatever. There's just, there's tons of why questions. Why, do, why don't we do this? Again, another why question. Why don't we do this? Is it because we're too busy? Well, man, that could be part of it, yeah. But I don't, I don't think so. Do you evaluate how you spend your time each day? Do you even want to evaluate how you spend your time each day? I know sometimes I don't want to. Because we're too busy, or is it because we're sick? Introspection is hard work. And C.S. Lewis has brilliantly said the pain is God's magnifying tool. Yes. We all we all want to change our emotions. Every one of us, I believe all of us, when we feel uncomfortable emotions, we want to change those things. But I'm not sure we want to sit in our pain. We want to listen to what they have to say to us, learn from our pain, and then change how we respond. But like the other spiritual disciplines, time in the quiet place, time in silence and solitude is not an end to itself. I don't spend time in silence and solitude for the sake of silence and solitude. I spend time in silence and solitude because I want to be with Jesus. So not only do we respond to this gospel, but we're called to live in a constant state of awareness of this gospel for our lives. And that very simply, the gospel is, I am far worse off than I could ever imagine. But God's grace and mercy is infinitely greater than I could ever, ever hope for. Because Jesus died for me. And the invitation is to surrender our lives to Jesus and put our faith and trust in him. And as both celebration and discipline will take thoughts for a moment to give us, is don't you feel a tug, a yearning to sink down into the silence and solitude of God? Don't you long for something more? Doesn't every breath pray for a deeper 
full length of Scripture in the context that's the invitation this morning. And I want to give you a little application to go away with this week that will invite you into that place of faith. So first, really simply, it's kind of just an add-on to last week, and that is commit to 10, and if you can, 15 minutes of silence and solitude daily. And I would even say, preferably in the morning, drink Psalm 119, 147 speaks of rising before the God and crying for gift to you from him every single day. And so as part of this time in the quiet place, begin to look beneath the surface, number two, asking the why questions. Assess and evaluate how you're feeling and and turn that into a prayer. And then the third thing that you can do is practice the daily office. In addition to morning time, add the midday and an evening time of silence and solitude, right? Ten minutes. Maybe not, it doesn't have to be that long. Maybe you do five minutes. But read a psalm, pray, begin and end in silence. And if you're like, I think Paul's talked about this, but what, again, what is the daily office? I, I, I want to, office comes from the Latin word for work, meaning it's the daily work of God. That's all the daily office is. It's the, the daily work of God, morning, midday, and evening. The church for centuries way of inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives. So I want to put that before you as an invitation this week to still quiet place. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to spend some time this morning um, hoping to maybe talk a little bit about the, the integration of the contemplative and the charismatic in the church. How we can embrace both of those traditions. I didn't, didn't get to that much at first. So, what I want to do is actually I want to want to put a podcast out about that this week. So if that's something that intrigues you and you want to explore that, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, unpack that a little bit more with more depth separately. Um, let's let's pray. Let's let's do that. Father, I, w- I want to thank you that you are so faithful. silence and prayer. You're so faithful. You, you beckon us there. You invite us there. And we, we meet with you, God, in that place. And we, over time, Lord, we come out of that place. We come out of there different. You change us. You transform us. You make us to be more like your son. And Lord, when we're struggling with things in life and when we're walking through situations and we're, we're encountering things that are, that are troublesome and challenging, we say, come, meet with me, receive from me, receive light from me into the darkness. And so Jesus, we want to receive that this week for our lives and for this coming week and in the situations that we find ourselves in. Jesus, you are more than enough. And we pray you are over all things right now. You are the king of So we bring this before you and we praise you, Jesus. We ask that all things would be put to your credit.